Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. A team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Highland, Eric, and myself, Mike. How are you guys doing? And welcome back, Eric. Hello. Hello. Eric's out in the field mm-hmm. and maybe being jammed. I hope it's not Schnozberry. <laughs> or uh, the Schnozberries that... takes like Schnozberries? I hope so, not raspberry. Or who is that? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Who's a Hydra agent that Dead Deadpool hangs out with? I, I'm mixing up things left and right. <laughs> I think Eric's oh. ready to tell me about that. <laughs> Take a little Willy Wonka oh. and a little space balls. <laughs> Hey, oh hey, man! What do you get? Some everlast- everlasting gobstoppers. You, you know, when I was a kid, I tried one of those because I was a kid and I thought that it would be like it was in the movie, and it wasn't. It was just a jawbreaker, but it yeah. was okay. Yeah. So, how about some good news? At the time that this show is airing. Our store is up. You get your Mighty Marvel Geeks hockey jerseys, baseball jerseys, hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, I mean, hoodies, tank tops, women's apparel, all with the Mighty Marvel Geeks logo on it. You can get them with the other two show logos as well, Weeby Geeks and and Wookiee Radio. But I think Mighty Marvel Geeks, we got some cool looking stuff. We really do. I think so. So. It might be, might be a little biased, but you know. Watch, (laughs) watch social media or on Twitter. At Marvel Geeks, Facebook and Instagram at Mighty Marvel Geeks for the link to the store. <laughs> so I'm excited for that. And I, yeah. and this weekend, I'm going to say through Wednesday, stuff is on sale. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I want Wookiee Radio and Mighty Marvel Geeks, to, our listeners, to take advantage of the sale. So we're launching with a sale through Wednesday, new comic book day. So get your comics and get a jersey. There you go. So um, it's wonderful. <laughs> just to say, you know what? I'm going to start a sale. Okay. <laughs> and it is awesome. And then the next sale after this one, it's going to be Black Friday. Ah. So. And the beauty okay. of it is you don't have to get out in the crowd. You can just sit in the comfort of your bed, chair, wherever yeah. you want to relax. We're going to go Black Friday through Cyber Monday. There you go. So that four-day weekend. Yeah. I can exa- I can tell you exactly where I intend to be on Black Friday through Cyber Monday. 
and, and that is that is in front of my TV in a nice, comfy rocker recliner chair. I can see that. Yep, 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 I, yep. I, I just got not a new a, TV. Not in a Snuggie, though, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I, You know what? I, I would like to say that if I had one, I would be man enough to admit I had one. Maybe not publicly, but definitely off the air with you guys. But I don't, and I'm actually quite proud of that. I wouldn't mind getting the one that looks like a Jedi. Jedi robes. Uh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. If they did Marvel ones, I would consider that. Uh, so I, I, I would. I think I would consider a Marvel one. Anyway, <laughs> we got this store open, sale going on. How are you guys doing? I'm here. I'm- Let's just stick with that. <laughs> I'm I'm on countdown for uh for the weekend, but you know that's just just my standard operating procedure too. So well, you know the great thing about the weekend is by the time other people hear this, it's already here. There yeah. you go. See, it's sort of like we're in a time machine. And by the time people hear this on Sunday, guess what? There's still one more day of your weekend because of Labor Day go. this week. So, but for me, it's just a it's just a jump to the left. But for me, it'll be a jump to the right because I'll be working. Uh, and not with you my, have my condolences, Michael. And not with my hands on my hips. So, but this is a family he show. He so finally gonna, got it. Oh, I, I got it when I say jump to the right. I've seen that movie way too many times in the theater. My last count was 393 times. Holy snap. Yeah. You know, I've never seen it in the theater. I, uh, the one time I have watched it all the way through, it was in a theater with a live cast playing along. <laughs> I bet. The la- I can't imagine what that was like. The last in time, Nashville, Tennessee. The last time I saw ah! it, last time I saw it in the theater is when I got banned from that theater for three months, but it was okay. I was going off to college. Let's just say the scene, the scene with Eddie coming through on the motorcycle. Everyone else brought squirt pistols for the rain, uh-huh. or before the rain, or before Eddie. When everyone broke out their squirt pistols for the rain, mm-hmm. um, the three or four of us who ended up getting banned from this theater for three months, basically till we came home at Christmas, um, uh-huh. our squirt gun was attached to the big hose on the back wall of the theater. <laughs> Go big or go home, or in this case, go big and go home. Yeah, and, and one one of the guys was a firefighter, so he was on the front. We just held the hose. Oh my god! We were trying to say we had to test the hose, and that was just the opportune time to test it. Oh, well, there gosh. you go. You got to test those things at times, you know. When we did go back to the theater, well, we were allowed to see movies at the theater. We just couldn't go see Rocky at Rocky Horror. <laughs> when we went back at Thanksgiving. There was still newspaper plastered to the velour on the side of the walls. Oh. Yeah, that was fun. Great memories. But, you know, I think this is another great memory, and unfortunately a great it's a great loss as well. Spider-Woman creator and comics legend Marie Severin passes away. Um, she was 89, and according to The Hollywood Reporter, uh, her death came after a move to hospice care following her second stroke earlier this week. Uh, mm. She suffered her first back in 2007. Um, her death was announced by Irene Vartanoff, uh, Severin's friend and former Marvel staff member. Um, the quote from Vartanoff, or Vartanoff, I'm very sorry to report Marie Severin 
the funniest and nicest woman in the comic book comic book biz is ever is no more. Here's a pic from Happier Days only a few years ago. I will have cropped myself out of this photo, but notice where Marie's left hand is. Incorrigible. Love you, Marie. And uh, apparently Marie was giving her rabbit ears. <laughs> so, um, Severin began working back in the comic books industry as a colorist. Right up your alley there, Eric. Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, back for EC Comics. It's E as in Edward, C as in Comics. EC Comics with her brother and late artist, John Severin. She continued coloring titles for the company until it went under in the 1950s, which is when she made her move over to Marvel. After starting off as a colorist and paste-up artist, uh, Severin eventually went on to completely pencil and ink stories. She was promoted to the position of Marvel's head colorist, where she served the company until 1972. She then left the position to concentrate on penciling and inking. Uh, she is well known for her work with Spider-Woman as she designed the character's original costume. She also designed and illustrated merchandise for Marvel's Special Projects Division. Uh, in addition to her work with Marvel, Severin contributed books for DC, Claypool Comics, and Fantagraphics. So I wonder if she worked with uh, with Tom for a while when he got started. I wonder. Possibly. So uh, our hearts are out to the Severin family um, and to uh, the crew over at Marvel Entertainment. It's definitely a major loss. So in, in, um, in the same vein, unfortunately, there were two uh, major losses uh, to the to the Marvel family. Um, Gary Friedrich, uh, who's a ghostwriter, co-creator, uh, a co-creator, died. Um, he was 75. Um, uh, and uh, this is uh, from a, a story with uh, comicbook.com. Uh, fellow comics uh, creator Tony Isabella posted an announcement of Friedrich's death on his Facebook page, noting that Friedrich had suffered from Parkinson's disease for several years. Oh, oh. Isabel noted, Isabella noted that uh, noted the announcement came from Roy Thomas, who stated that, and this is a quote, I won't go into details at this point, but I wanted to mention that one of my oldest and dearest friends, Gary Friedrich, passed away last night from the effects of Parkinson's, which he had for several years. That and his near total hearing loss had left him feeling isolated in recent years, and his wife Jean seems content that he is finally at peace. Wow. Um. Yeah. Uh. You know. And uh, Friedrich. Um. He so he got some of his earliest work. Uh. Started over at Charlton Comics. Um. Uh, he had. He eventually. He was actually writing romance comics at the time, back when those things were popular. Um, and uh, he eventually transitioned into westerns and then superhero work, uh, including uh, writing the dialogue for several early issues of Steve Ditko's Blue Beetle stories. Um, uh, he, when he came over to Marvel, uh, he co-created um, Phantom Rider, who was originally named Ghost Rider. Right. Uh, and some of his breakout work was uh, for Marvel was with Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos. Um, and uh, he also worked uh, on other uh, Mar Silver Age Marvel books. Uh, and that's where he co-created Ghost Rider um, for Marvel. Um, he eventually left comics in the late 70s and 
uh, although he made occasional returns uh, to the medium. But in, in 93, he scripted the first issue of Jack Kirby, of the Jack Kirby created Bombast series, teaming up with Thomas and other co-creators from his Sergeant Fury run. Um, and so unfortunately, in his later years, he ended up suing Marvel and Sony over ownership of Ghost Rider. Uh, Marvel uh, eventually won the lawsuit, but settled with Friedrich after countersuing with him, uh, which prevented him from uh, selling self-made uh, Ghost Rider merchandise at conventions, that we, as we would see so many older artists do. Right. Uh, but uh, an appeals court overturned the Marvel uh, decision and sent him sent the case back to trial, where the parties eventually reached an amicable settlement, which, you know, I'm glad to see that. Um, but, you know, the thing is, uh, Ghost Rider is that character that uh, he, although he was created in the 70s, he is still very, very important today. You know, I mean, if we, including the cosmic version, including the cosmic version, um, which, you know, you know, who would think Frank, Frank, well, okay, I guess there's no leap to think of Frank Castle being the spirit of vengeance, but, you know, cosmic level. (laughs) So, yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, um, so, you know, that's another loss to the Marvel family, but, um, you know, uh, his work lives on and, uh, he will, he will always be remembered. Sad day. Sad week. It really is. It really is. Yeah, it really is. But, I mean, if it wasn't for legends like that, Marvel wouldn't be where we're at today. No. Or where they're true. at today, so. Yeah, that's very true. Um, on a happier note, the new Spider-Gat... Blah, blah, blah. I'm, <laughs> I'm not too good with the making words thing today, sir. Uh, the new Spider-Man game that is coming out for PlayStation will be coming out Friday, September 7th, which is uh, a week from tomorrow at the time of recording. Yep. But uh, by the time you're hearing this, it's just going to be this next coming Friday. And we've seen the trailers. We've seen some of the gameplay, and it does look amazing. It's uh, it, it, And people keep saying, well, I don't like the costume. You know what? I'm just going to call it, I do like the costume. The yes. white spider... The white spider has grown on me. If you liked the old 2000, was it 2004 Spider-Man 2 game? I believe it was 2004. Same, essentially same costume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Spidey has had so many different costumes over the years. Yes. You know, if that's something that's triggering you, my advice to you is go have a Coke and a smile. (laughs) Because you... You need both, apparently. But, uh, the, uh, the, the new story that has come out and, uh, you know, you've, you've been hearing rumors here and there, but they've actually, they've made it official. Uh, the Spider-Man game, Spider-Man game is not even out yet and they have announced DLC for it. It's, it's, uh, a three-part DLC. It's, it's a, a pack called Spider-Man, the city that never sleeps. It is coming out in three chapters. Uh, the first is called Spider-Man The Heist, and that breaks October 23rd. Uh, okay. In November, you have Spider-Man Turf Wars, and in December, you have Spider-Man Silver Lining. Now, they have uh, re- they have announced some of the details of the heist, and the the main character is Black Cat. Oh! So, yeah, Felicia Hardy is back in town, and she's leaving clues 
to toy with Spider-Man. You know, basically say, hey, guess who's back? Yada, yada, neener, neener, neener. There should be a neener, neener, neener in there somewhere. Uh, if not, then I blame the writers for letting a golden opportunity pass them by. Um, now, there are new missions and challenges, of course, as well as a brand new faction of enemies and three additional suits to unlock. So if, you, if you're still triggered by the white spider, well, there you go. Uh, Turf Wars. Now, I have seen Silver Sable in some of these teaser trailers, so I'm guessing that she is showing up in Silver Lining. But, uh, and this is uh, starting today at the PlayStation Store. You can uh, buy all three installments of The City That Never Sleeps. You can get it for a bundle price of $24.99 U.S. dollars. Uh, or if you just want to take them one at a time, you can buy each of the three chapters for nine ninety nine. which, hey, get the bundle, you save a couple of bucks. Mm-hmm. But you can, if you've not pre-ordered the game itself, you can grab the whole Shamir, the, the digital deluxe edition that gives you the full game, plus all three installments of The City That Never Sleeps for just seventy nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And you'll also receive um, you also receive some pre order bonus content. So I have not I have not pre ordered this game yet. Uh, I I gotta admit, uh, my my pre order money went to Destiny 2's Forsaken. <laughs> Just because, well, that's it's it's a legacy thing, and and the boy he loves playing the the Destiny, and plus Nathan Fillion dies in it. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I go spoiler alert here? No, it's spoiler okay. alert. <laughs> Fillion's character dies, but I do want to get this game. Uh, for one thing, it's not a movie tie-in game, which is what a lot of times we get from a a superhero game. Um, and so, and movie tie-in games are, are are problematic to begin with, just because that's what they are. This is an original story, uh, as I understand it. It has absolutely no connection with the the with the quote-unquote canon Spider-Man storylines that are in the in the comics or in the MCU. And I think that's a good thing. Does it need yeah. to? No, it doesn't. That's why I say it's a good thing. And this is yeah, that's that touches on a, a long running beef I've got with with certain factions of the Star Wars fan base, but we're on the wrong show for that. <laughs> yes. And as we have said over on that other show, it's not canon. The extended universe, the original EU, not canon. Never was. Well, never was. According never to George. <laughs> it doesn't. It, look, it, it, and I'll just say this on it before I move on. A story does not have to be directly tied into an official lo- timeline to be a good story. No, it doesn't. If you need that, uh, even the most tenuous of connections, then, yeah, then right. I feel sorry for you. I do feel sorry for you. And it's same going with, with any other franchise, including the superhero ones. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and call it. I liked the storyline from Injustice yeah. over at the Distinguished Competition. I, you and, know, I did too. And, and here's something else for you. Uh, a guy I know, uh, his name is Freddie Williams. He did the Batman slash Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover, which, by the way, is pretty awesome. Uh, he's doing a He-Man and the Masters of the Universe crossover with Injustice. Now, if that wow. ain't canon busting, I don't know what is. Wow. So, but, but the thing is, it's if it's a good story, mm-hmm. I don't care. I mean, but I'm the kind of guy that I I dig the what if stories. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like what if Professor X became the Juggernaut, or or what if Wolverine became an agent of Shield, or what if Jessica Jones has stayed with the Avengers. 
that I like those questions. I like those storylines. I don't need them to have a connection to the mainstream continuity. No. Right. So uh, yeah, that's why I love original games like this Spider-Man that don't. Yeah. And again, you know, what other, see, I wish they were making this for PC because yeah. I would be all over it. Well, you never, you never know. They might port it over for PC, though. I hope so. I hope so. You know, you just solved this by getting you a PS4. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I I did the uh, I I did the thing. I was I was happen I happened to be in the the store and I just uh, bought a game that I had pre ordered. And I looked up and I saw the poster for Spider-Man and I said, when is that coming out? And I think that may have been June at that point. And they said, it'll be September. And I said, well, okay, here's my down payment on it. So, you know. Take my now, money. Yeah, but, but see, thing is, Iron Fist is next Friday, too. So I'm going to stop by the shop and I'm going to buy the game. But Iron Fist is next Friday. Yeah. 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 And we've seen the trailers. Yeah, can't wait, can't wait. Mm-mm. Um, no, what else? I just thought there's another story I forgot to pull up, which I'll get after I do this story. Apparently, the Venom, um, Ruben Flesher isn't saying whether or not Spider-Man is swinging into his famous foe's first solo film. He goes, honestly, I don't know what, I honestly don't know what I'm allowed to say. I mean, I know the answer. I've seen the movie but I don't want to get in trouble by saying something I'm not supposed to, as he told the LA Times. Uh, Spider-Man's rumored involvement has been long, has been, has long been murky and muddled by comments made by Amy Pascal, who produced both Spider-Man Homecoming, which is set firmly in the MCU, and Venom, which is the first entry into Sony's planned Sony Universe of Marvel characters. Sunk. Hmm. What does that sound, almost sound like? Sunk. Mm-hmm. I, I really do think that if they tried to pass this Venom movie off without Spider-Man at all, that's exactly what this universe is going to be. I agree. Now, last June, Pascal told Film Starts that both movies will now take place in the world that we created for Peter Parker, who in the MCU is a 17-year-old rookie superhero. Um, according to her... There will be adjuncts to it. They may be different locations, but it will still all be in the same world, uh, and they will be connected to each other as well. Using stealing from the MCU, it's all connected. Uh, while Pascal, but not really. <laughs> one of these things <laughs> is connected not to the others. Um, why Pascal tried to characterize, uh, either intentionally or accidentally, um, the then-named Sony Universe of Marvel characters, Sunk, um as an offshoot of Marvel Studios' 10-year-running shared universe, MCU. Uh, Kevin Feige told Allo Scene there is no plan for Venom in the MCU, calling the Tom Hardy-led movie a Sony project. Ooh. Sorry. Was that too, you know, was that too much? Um, I, at this point, I think it is safe to say the MCU doesn't need Venom. True. Mm, I, I would agree. Is it- Would it be cool to have because, you know, Eddie Brock was a member of Guardians of the Galaxy? Right. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool to have Agent Venom? Yeah, that's what I'm talking It'd be about. awesome yeah. to have Agent Venom. Um, Pascal later cl- clarified her comments when speaking to comicbook.com, where the story comes from. Uh, during the Spider-Man Homecoming press tour, all these characters are part of the Marvel comic book universe. 
How bold of her to speak for a Kevin Feige. Oops, I meant. In that universe... Well, she probably thought it was the former. <laughs> um, in that universe, they're all related to each other. Kevin makes characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, she said. These characters are separate, except for Spidey, who belongs in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is why he's there. Um, asked if that rolls out Spider-Man, a Spider-Man Venom crossover. Feige said, we never said never, but the addendum... With the addendum, a merger isn't likely to happen anytime soon. In January, John Schnepp of Collider Heroes claimed Holland filmed a cameo, uh, but not as Peter Parker, not as Spider-Man. Earlier this month, Variety alleged Sony was pushing a hard PG-13 instead of the proposed R rating, a move that would potentially allow future Spider-Man crossovers. Um, Flesher told ComicBook.com during San Diego CultureCon, because that's what it is now, not Comic-Con, even though they're pulling the maneuver now, they're trying to get any show with the name Comic-Con to change their name. But that's a whole other story. Um, that he aimed to make Venom tonally different from everything else, saying the nature of the character allows for a darker and more menacing Marvel Comics adaptation. Um, because this feels much like Venom's movie. Um, when asked about a Spider-Man appearance, uh, he continues on by saying, it's the introduction of a character as to where it will go in future movies and who he'll run across, I can't say. So, um, Sony is developing other Spider-Man-less films starring longtime frenemies, Black Cat, Silver Sable, and Morbius the Living Vampire. Uh, Venom comes out October 5th. Personally, I think all this is a mistake. It's like we say in every Star Wars movie, I got a bad feeling about this. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. and, and as we continue to... I have a really bad feeling about this. And we could use that because Star Wars is part of the Marvel comic universe now. That's right. Yep, again. So, and and, and to, to really know if the Marvel Star Wars, if Star Wars is a part of the Marvel comics, C-3PO said it best. We are now a part of the tribe. So, but Venom can't say that. Nope. No. Should he say that? Probably. Is he going to say that? Probably not. No. Because he just can't. So, um, I don't know. To not have Spider-Man involved lends no credibility to why Venom has a Spider-Man-esque look. But everything I'm seeing, yeah. there's no spider on the chest. All you have it's is not. a black outfit and the, the Spider-Man-esque eyes on the mask. And that doesn't help. No, it doesn't. So. You know, it's possible they could pull that off. It It is possible. I mean, think about this. The MCU has pulled people out of context from the comic books. Yeah. Time and again. And they've made them solid characters, even though they weren't like what we would recognize them. Right. So I guess I'm saying it's possible. But at the same time, it's possible for me to go up to Wrigley Field and throw a hand grenade from the cheap seats to home plate. Mm -hmm. Possible, but don't bet those odds. Right. I agree. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. No. Not that I would advocate anybody taking a hand grenade to Wrigley Field. 
Just no. make that clear. Well, since since I'm, we're on the topic of Venom and Spider-Man, um, this just popped up, and I, I thought it would be cool to share as well. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming has been playing so often on TV these days. Really? Where? I haven't seen it on TV. Is it on the pay channels? I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. It may be on the pay channels, but I'm busy, so I don't really get a chance to... Um, um yeah, plus I own, I own the movie, so, you know. <laughs> so apparently there was a nice little Easter egg that everyone missed. I don't think I did. Well, apparently not everyone. <laughs> Someone has found it. Elliot, um, Reddit user Maximum Vibe explains a little detail I noticed whilst watching Homecoming. The man and the woman from Damage Control who took over Toon's crew at the start of the movie can also be seen in the aftermath of the attack at the ATM vestibule. The female head of Damage Control is Anne-Marie Hogue, who is played by actress Tyne Daly. The two pictures, top to bottom, come from the opening of the film and from, and from after Spider-Man's ATM heist fight. Taken together, the Images tell a subtle but important story about what's happened with damage control in the years between Spider-Man Homecoming and Homecoming's opening, and then the scene pictured uh, later below, which I don't see what the scene is to verify. Um, in that span, and it's not the eight years the film mistakenly tells us it is, it's clear that Hogue has grown into a role as a G-woman and her agency along with her. In the second picture, her dress and grooming is much sharper and her authority much clearer and procedural, as if she is used to this line of work by now. Uh, damage control is an important component to the Marvel Universe, as the agency is responsible for cleaning up after superhero and supervillain battles. So, le- release us this the show already and yes mm. keep tyne daly as agent hogue so well, see i can't think of tyne daly without thinking of the show cagney and lacy true um now the marvel cinematic version was established by tony stark much to the chagrin of adrian tombs who is the city's appointed cleanup man before stark and the government intervened so it's going to be interesting to see how institutions like damage control fare in the wake of avengers affinity war as the pre- as the post snap world will require all hands possible to maintain law and order uh especially without the presence of so many of its heroes so there but there's other great news and it's just yeah oh it, yes it, there it, is it's um, as sharp as a blade <laughs> Well, uh, you know, um, and there's been a lot of talk, rumors, more or less, about is are, are we going to get another Blade movie? Is Blade showing up? What's going to happen? You know, but uh, so the thing is, a lot of people consider uh, 2000s X-Men as to be the film that actually helped kind of launch this era of superhero uh, of comic book movies. Uh, but person, I know personally for me, and according to this article, it actually started with 1998's Blade. Um, cause I mean, at that point, Blade was a very little known character. And truth is, because of this movie, Blade started showing up in comics again. He actually showed up in the animated Spider-Man series at that time as well. Um, and you know, it, it, definitely secured Wesley Snipes' place for a time as an action hero. Um, but it says that he, uh, in an interview, that he's recently detailed what the future could hold for the character and whether he reprises the role or if a newcomer will take over. 
and this is a direct quote, direct quote. There are a lot of conversations going on right now. And um, and we're very blessed to have the enthusiasm and interest in something coming from that world again, Snipe shared with Vice. We've created two projects that fit perfectly into this world. And when people see them, I think they're only going to have a problem with deciding which one they love most. You know, so, you know, and I, I would say, you know, you know that that's a lot of um, generalities there. But he does go on to say that all the main execs at Marvel and my team, we've been discussing for the past two years. Everyone's enthusiastic about it. Everybody gets it. But they got a business to run, and they got to square the things that they got to figure out before they get to it, I guess. In the meantime, we got a business to run on our, on our own side, on our own slate of things to do so. Um, but he did go on to promise this. The next time you see something in the Blade universe, mark my words, what we did before is child's play to, compared to what we can do now. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, it was you no know, a, a foray into the whole act, action horror genre, right. as it were. Um, although all three movies are are three very different movies. So, um it's going to be interesting to see if if this comes to light, what does that mean? You know, um, you know, I, but I, I no, I'm certainly certainly not taking into account uh, that awful TV series we got. So please, let's not. That was horrible. I tried watching it. I wanted to buy it on DVD when it came out just because mm-hmm. it was Marvel and I wanted to own it. Yes. But I will say the the anime series Oh yeah, like, it was good, but I mean, it was still kind of a bit of a reach. It was, but it was way it was world it was worlds beyond that uh, TV series. Yeah. So, well, let's let's just think that wasn't a very high bar to clear. No, it was. This is true. I mean, I, I be honest with you, I think if memory serves me right, the because it started off with a TV movie. The TV movie was pretty decent. I was fine with that. And we're talking the show that aired on Spike, right? Right, yeah. But the series that followed it, I was just like, huh? I think everyone was like, huh? It was not. Oh, God, that was terrible. Yeah. Sorry. Terrible. It was terrible. So, um, but we got news that's not terrible. No. Uh, As a matter of fact, for Kevin Feige, who we've mentioned earlier in the show, uh, it's actually pretty good news. It is uh, that the Producers Guild of America announced today that they will honor Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige with the 2019 David O. Selznick o- Achievement Award. Now, uh, this is, of course, because of the, as they call it, this is Deadline.com, where we're getting the story from. Uh, they it, They pretty much get the award for understatement of the year because they refer to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as wildly successful. Yeah. How about about wildly an understatement for sure? Yeah. Uh, Now, he's going to receive this award during the 30th Annual Producers Guild Awards on January 19th. 
at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Los Angeles. Very cool. Now, uh, he is quoted in this article uh, as having a, a comment about you know learning that he's been nominated or that he's going to get it. He said, quote, to join so many of my heroes and mentors in receiving the David O. Selznick Award is one of the most meaningful experiences of my career, and I'm truly thankful to my colleagues in the Producers Guild of America for this recognition. I also want to thank my Marvel Studios family, who have been with me every step of the way, and without whom I would never have had this amazing journey. Uh, last year's uh, honoree was uh, Charles Roven, and in the past, they've also uh, honored David Hyman, Stanley Kramer, Billy Wilder, Clint Eastwood, Jerry Bruckheimer, Brian Grazer, Laura Ziskin, Kathleen Kennedy, and Frank Marshall, Scott Rudin, and Steven Spielberg. Not a bad uh, group of people there. You know what? I think I would consider that rarefied air. Definitely. I would. So... Yeah, I'd say that's not terrible news. No, that's very cool news. Unless you're Amy Pascal and you're trying to speak for Kevin Feige. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, but, oh, I can't get my windows to work right. Here we go. Um, How about this for news? The Disney streaming service has a name. Now, why is this important to us? Well, uh, Bob Iger called the launch of the streaming service the biggest priority of the company during the calendar year of 2019. Um, I think the other big priority is wrapping up the Fox merger. But the streaming service is going to be called Disney Play. Uh, the quote-unquote Netflix killing Disney Play aims to tap into the same direct consumer streaming video business model as refined by the current giant Netflix. Uh, from what I'm hearing, cost is going to be anywhere between 8 to $14 for the service. Um, now, a motivation, you know, of course, to, to use the same direct-to-consumer business model was a motivation that was at the heart of the multi-billion dollar bidding war between Disney and Comcast over who would lay claim to 20, 21st Century Fox expansive library of diverse content. Um, of course, we know that Disney won with uh, $71.3 billion of those uh, reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, in no longer providing their content to Netflix and instead reserving their biggest blockbusters for streaming on their own platform, Disney's going to roughly miss out on $300 million in annual revenue it currently earns with Netflix and paid TV rights. Disney, who has long streamed blockbusters like Captain America, Civil War, and Rogue One on Netflix, will end that process with Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, uh, Captain Marvel in the theaters in March will be the first Marvel Studios production to be offered exclusively through Disney Play. Where the other Disney projects poised to be box office heavyweight hits in 2019, uh, Toy Story 4, Frozen 2... And the reimaginings in live action style of Lion King, Aladdin, and Dumbo will also act as selling points to the streaming service. Uh, it has also been announced that there will be a live action Lady in the Tramp series coming to Disney Play, and of course, John Favreau's Star Wars television series in the tune of $100 million for a 10 episode run. That's right. Wow. $10. I an bet you they'll get it. I, I, I bet you they'll make their money back on it. Also headed, well, I'm certain of it. Also heading to Disney Play are a series inspired by some of Disney's biggest IPs, including the new TV series based on Disney Pixar's Monsters, Inc., 
Queen favorite high school musical and an all new Marvel series. Damage control. Woohoo. Howling Commandos. Oh, that'd be just as good. We can hope. Fingers crossed. You know, I eat my vegetables and I and I, and I do my homework and stuff. I feel like I deserve a Howling Man Howling Commando series. I I want it. We've been asking for a while. So, um Disney intends to adhere to quality over quantity. Gee. I hear that in the parks all the time. Um, so as not to compete with Netflix's ever-expanding offerings of original movies and television series, uh, the company will also avoid pulling Disney-owned Fox, you know, Disney-owned and Fox-owned content from existing streaming video on demand um, because such deals would be logistically difficult and extremely costly. Uh, earlier yeah. this month, it was learned Disney hoped to reacquire the television rights to its Star Wars movies, and after selling those rights to AT after selling those rights to AT&T Incorporated Turner Broadcasting in an eight-year deal, allowing movies like Empire Strikes Back and The Last Jedi to air on channels like TBS and TNT. But in addition to being the home of original content, Disney Play will also host the largest catalog, back catalog for Marvel, Pixar, Star Wars, uh, and it's also newly acquired treasure trove of 20th, 21st Century Fox properties. A.E. or I.E. Fantastic Four and X-Men, including Deadpool. So it it sounds intriguing. Real intriguing. I, I, I'm really it does. I'm really curious to see where this goes. Um, and I, I would just love to see it, this being Disney Play, a huge archive of all Disney's old shows and movies, yeah. like all the short subjects. And like all the uh, the wonderful world of color, mm-hmm. yeah, just all the old stuff that you used to see on the Disney Channel when it first came out. Condor like, Man, sure, Condor Man. Why not? Ah. Just just like the the old stuff that used to be on Vault Disney when the Disney Channel came out. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got you've got the service now. There's nothing saying you can't have that, and. I, just that alone. Now, I know we're talking Marvel, and there's a lot of old Marvel stuff that need, that should be coming out, like like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh, like, yeah. Could we go back to the old Spider-Man series? Yeah, yeah. We could do that. We could uh, do that. Could we the old Iron the old... Man and Captain America and Fantastic Four. and Yeah. Wasn't there a Hulk one back then, too? Yes. There was a Hulk cartoon. There was also the... The Bill Bixby Hulk car- series. Yeah. I, I mean, there's really a huge selection to go through. Yeah. If you're just willing to go there. I can't imagine why they wouldn't be. I can't either. I mean, I loved watching a lot of the old Marvel stuff back then, you know? Yeah. Well, it's cheesy, but it's retro. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, I'd be cool with it. I mean, I, I would love to see, I mean, Disney already owns the Fox Kids cartoon library. Oh, that's true. And with that, I mean, we've got, what, the old X-Men. Mm-hmm. And wasn't there a Spidey series from that as well? Yeah, that's the one that had, uh, it featured Blade, it featured uh, Punisher, Daredevil, mm-hmm. um, the Senator Sinister Six. Um, that, that was a really good series. I think there were even, there were even a couple that had um, Nick Fury in them. May have. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely curious to see where we go with this. Um, I, I would, 
I'm all I'm all in, f- in favor of seeing more Marvel appear. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe this is where New Warriors ends up landing. Maybe this is where Damage Control ends up landing. Maybe this is where we could get Most Wanted to put in place. Oh, Ooh. please. And uh, if we're going to go there, who's to say that this isn't where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes when ABC finally gets rid of it for another Chandra Rhimes thing? Um... I I have a funny feeling, especially since the series has now been moved to next summer mm-hmm. um, for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. How about bringing on Midnight Suns? Oh, Ooh, yeah. How about since the comic pretty much sold out like a couple other things have been doing for Marvel? Bring in Jeremy Renner, cast mm-hmm. the rest of the crew, and West Coast Avengers. <laughs> How did I know you were going there? It was coming. Why not make West Coast Avengers Marvel's answer to Titans from the Distinguished Competition and their streaming service? Okay. You know? Sure. Sure. I, I... I go with that. So, yeah, that's my thought. But we could table that discussion on what's coming for a later day, maybe even for a field agent roundtable in the near future. But I think we need to wait until we get more information on what's coming to Disney Play in the way of Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. This is just the beginning. It's only going to go up from here. So, um, and just to say this is the beginning, how about Eric? You start us off with our picks of the week. Okay, uh, picks of the week. Well, I did not see that one coming. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like Wrigley Field, okay. that came in like a hand grenade. There you go. <laughs> coming out of left field, okay, my first pick of the week is a number one. It is the Asgardians of the Galaxy number one. Spinning out of the events of Infinity Wars comes an epic space opera from Deadpool veterans Colin Bunn and Matteo Lolly, Angela, the not-so-beloved half-sister of Thor, the hot-headed Valkyrie, and the human who shares her form, Annabelle Riggs, Scourge the Executioner, freshly returned from hell, Throg, the mightiest frog of thunder, <laughs> Kevin Masterson, the boy who took his father's mace to become the hero Thunder. Thunderstrike and the Destroyer, the Asgardian armor built to take down Celestials with its wielder unknown. The events of Infinity Wars set Nebula off on a quest to rule the galaxy, wielding an Asgardian weapon even Thor would fear, and it's up to this team of gods, assassins, frogs, and heroes to stop her. Interesting. Uh, we got Guardians of the Galaxy, now the Asgardians. Uh, interesting twist. I, I think it sounds cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's got a frog with a hammer. What more could you ask for? <laughs> a duck? He's not as guardian. How do we know that? Okay, now okay. that's a yeah, mental I image that. that is going to linger. <laughs> Howard the Duck with Mjolnir. Oh, my gosh. Hey. I think we've just achieved the newest definition of wrong. Uh, so, so what are you trying to say? I'm saying Howard the Duck with the power of Thor. That's 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 wrong. Yeah, we we, we don't want that. You're, you're you're almost alluding to the fact that I might have quacked up. Oh my god! <laughs> hey, it's picks of the week. It's comics. How could you not know this was going to happen? We do send to wind up on more tangents than a high school geometry class, don't we? we yes, do. we do. We do. So, well, um, Kylan, you're next. All right. Well, uh, my first pick of the week is Iron Man 2020 trade trade paperback brought to us by Kim McDonald, Mark Beecham, and Bob Wyatchek. 
the armor is familiar, but the man inside isn't who you expect. He's Arno Stark, the cold and hard-hitting Iron Man of the future. And Tony Stark's descendant has quite a legacy to live up to. Catch all the futuristic action as Arno battles Spider-Man and Blizzard in a time-traveling adventure to stop nuclear terrorists. Faces Machine Man at the behest of Tony's old foe, Sunset Bane, and clashes with the original high-flying Commodore Q. Can Arno overcome his foes and himself to become the hero he's modeled himself after? This is Collecting Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 20, Machine Man uh, 1 through 4, Death's Head number 10, Iron Man 2020 number 1, Astonishing Tales Iron Man 2020 numbers 1 through 6, and material from What If number 53. Okay. Arno Stark is a name I have not heard in a long, long time. And, you know, 2020 comes soon, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for the personal hover cars and and all the stuff that sci-fi promised me 30 years ago. Oh, me too. True. Very true. Well, my first pick of the week um, is Thanos Legacy number one. Thanos wins again. Rising star Donny Cates returns to the Mad Titan to bring the story bridging the gap between his best-selling Thanos wins and the world-shattering Affinity Wars. How did Thanos' journey How did Thanos' journey back from the future lead to the events of Infinity Wars Prime? Now it can be told. So, Eric, back to you. Well, my second pick of the week kind of ties into that tangentially. Cosmic Ghost Rider number three of five by Donnie Cates and Dylan Burnett. Cosmic Ghost Rider versus the future Guardians of the Galaxy for the fate of the universe. Enough said. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there it is. There it is. There it was. (laughs) There it shall be. (laughs) Sounds like an episode title or issue title. It does. It does. It does. I like so, it. So would the would the episode art for that be Walter Cronkite? That's the way um, it is. Walter Cronkite wielding Thor's hammer. <laughs> oh. Does that exist? It does in my head. Eric might have to do that one up. Oh, crap. I just volunteered for that, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, Kylan, your second pick. All right, so my second pick is actually this was a book that I read earlier this year uh, in my preparations for the Black Panther movie. Uh, This is uh, Marvel Knights Black Panther by uh, Priest Joe Quesada and Mark Texeria. Okay, this is a trade paperback. Um, So King T'Challa of Wakanda is not just a monarch. He is the Black Panther, the nation's ceremonial protector, and he fights in unceasing battle to safeguard his homeland from those who seek to plunder its amazing riches and technology. T'Challa has forged a fearsome reputation as a monarch, a warrior, and even an avenger. But now a very different king hungers for Wakanda, uh, a a king of hell itself. And T'Challa, together with his deadly Dora Milaje, must battle to protect his people's very souls. The Panther travels to America to fight his diplomatic and spiritual war on many fronts. And State Department Special Attaché Everett K. Ross, who was introduced in 
Civil War, if you're paying attention, is assigned to uh, the visiting king, swiftly becomes a man far out of his depth. Priest kicks off a revolutionary era of Black Panther, collecting Black Panther uh, issues one through five. This is from 1998. Cool. Well, my second pick of the week is, uh, can't get to my window. There we go. Second pick of the week. From Jan- Tanisha Coates, Laniel Francis, Laniel Francis, you, Al- and Alex Ross is Captain America number three. Winter in America continues. Cap and the Black Panther embark on a daring raid into the heart of the Nuke Army, while Sharon Carter takes on a secret mission into danger. Danger, Sharon Carter, danger. So yeah, that's my second pick. Okay, so, so my third pick of the week is Deadpool number four. Bring us by home. Scotty Young. Scotty Young and Nick Klein. Deadpool is in for a world of weird. A merc job lands Deadpool to one of the strangest corners of the Marvel U. Weird world. Not only that, but he's fallen into a time storm. Oh, no, not a time storm. Anything but a time storm. Wait, what's a time storm? <laughs> Monsters, sorceresses, man-things, romance, time storms. This issue has it all. Cool. Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick of the week is, uh, and this is rounding up, my um, trade paperback trifecta. Uh, is Moon Knight by Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood. Um, Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight, Jake Lockley, and Stephen Grant has been fighting criminals and keeping New York City safe for years. Or has he? When he wakes up in an insane asylum with no powers and a lifetime's worth of medical records, it calls his whole identity identities into question. Something is wrong, but is that something Mark himself? Delve deep beneath the mask of Moon Knight to meet the many men inside his head. While Stephen Grant prepares for a box office smash, Jake Lockley is arrested for murder. And as the muddled mind of Moon Knight reaches his limit, the secrets of his past are revealed in a story of birth, death, and rebirth unlike any other. Trapped outside of reality, Moon Knight's survival depends on answers. But Mark Spector is plagued by nothing but questions. This is collecting Moon Knight uh, issues 1 through 14. Awesome. Well, I'm going to bring us home with... Dr. Afra Annual. Uh, hate when this does this. Annual number two. M- meet Winloss and Nuck, the galaxy's foremost monster hunters. One's a cyborg with a bad attitude, the other's a cold-blooded reptile. They're happily married. They've been hired by mis- by mysterious contact to bag an ultra-deadly uh, ultra monster from the heart of an ancient temple. For mysterious contact, read Dr. Afra, who, and this will shock you, is definitely up to something no good. For happily married, read this is going to get messy. So, uh, that's our picks of the week. How about uh, our Marvel Unlimited pick? I believe, Eric, that's you. Uh, that is me, and it. I'd like to tie in my Unlimited picks to something that we've talked about earlier in the show. And this one in particular ties in to my very first pick of the week, which is Asgardians of the Galaxy. I mentioned Kevin Masterson, the new Thunderstrike, who got the mace from his father. 
Well, his father, being the original Thunderstrike, Eric Masterson, who also subbed in as Thor himself, we're going back to his very first appearance all the way back uh, to 1988 for Thor number 391. Very cool. Wow, okay. In New York, Sigurd Jarlson looks up his old boss, Jerry, to see about work. On site, he is attacked by the mongoose, who is sent by an unknown master. With Spider-Man's help, they drive him off, but during the battle, architect Eric Masterson is hurt badly. Before escaping, the mongoose knocks out the support pillars, but Thor manages to support the entire building, while Spider-Man braces it so it won't collapse. In Asgard, the Grand Vizier sends Hogan across the dimensional rift to Earth to learn the fate of Thor. All right. That definitely sounds cool. It's a great pick to have. Um, I am slowly, I am promising you, I am slowly trying to catch up on the MU picks on the site. It's been a long, crazy summer, and I am slowly getting caught up. But we have a new look to the site. I think it looks great. It does look good. So, um, other than that, any final thoughts? Uh, no. Yeah, can I borrow 80 bucks to pre-order Spider-Man? <laughs> Dude, I would totally send the cash your way. I would totally do that. Because he, he technically it's helping me out uh, because like a few years ago, I bought my wife some Disney stock. So anything Marvel helps us. So, you know, just saying. I almost feel like starting a GoFundMe to see if I can get the money for a PS4 before next Friday. <laughs> so, well, that's it for us. No other final thoughts. We thank everyone for listening. Check out the store. Stuff's on sale till Wednesday. Um, some great stuff there. Hope you hope you find something you like and help support the show. Until next time. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. So, Spider-Man, I'm excited for the fact that this is going to be an open world game that I still won't be able to play on PC. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, there, you, you, you might be able to uh, find a... a PS4 for a decent price somewhere. You never know. eBay. True. True. There you go. Craigslist. Hey, plus maybe if you tell them, hey, you know what? I'm on a Marvel podcast. You know, that that, that might help too. I don't know. Now, I did, I did just get the Let It Go app. So maybe I'll have to check it out. You know, Sony could sponsor us. This is true too. I mean... I mean, Shields certainly isn't going to give us the money for it. True. <laughs> I, Modoc, the perfect combination of human intellect and machine, have interfaced with all of the digital information stored on the vast network of the World Wide Web. I can do the same thing with my phone. Plus, I got free roaming. Nice.